May God speak to you through today's message from Pastor Ryan Loxmo. Well, good morning. My name is Ryan Loxmo. I'm the small groups pastor here at Parkway Fellowship, and we're really glad that y'all are with us today as we wrap up our leadership series, Stepping Up. You know, in this series, we've talked about a lot of the steps of leadership, the steps that get us to the point of being unbelievable leaders in our lives. We talked about how really the first step is just admitting we are a leader, acknowledging we've got influence over somebody in some way in our life. We talked about that in the first week. Uh, The second week, we talked about how great leaders cast vision, okay? They cast vision. They see into the future and what needs to happen for themselves as well as others. We talked about how great leaders cast vision for others. And last week, we talked about how great leaders bring others with them. They don't just lead alone. They uh, delegate. They ask for help. They invest in others, and, and they bring them along with them. And today, we are going to talk about the final step of leadership, the thing that separates the okay leaders from the great leaders. And honestly, it's a step that a lot of people might not think is that final step, and it's the step of serving. So um, last week, I started to tell a story about uh, when my wife Ashley and I got married. We moved, um, three months after we got married, we moved all the way across the country. We moved from Dallas to Boston so that I could go uh, to graduate school. And I I told the story about us getting settled in and moved in. And today I want to kind of pick up uh, where I left off on that story because uh, not long after that, after we got settled in, I saw an unbelievable example of a leader serving. And I have to say, it left an unforgettable impression on me, especially at that time when I was really looking ahead in my life and thinking about how God might want to use me um, as a leader. So uh, when we got there and got all settled into school, a couple weeks later, there was like a school-wide, campus-wide fall kickoff type event. I'm sure many of you have done those kinds of things, you know, where everybody hangs out outside and all the families are there and the faculty and just kind of a cool fall kickoff deal. Well, because the school was in the Boston area, it was a traditional New England clam bake. Has anybody ever been to a clam bake? It is an unbelievable thing. It is lobster, steamed clams, watermelon, corn on the cob. Or as they would say up there, lobster, steamers, corn on the cob, and watermelon. <laughs> it's awesome. And, and you know what I got to say? That August summer weather in New England is unbelievable. It tops out at like 80 degrees. Oh, it was awesome. And so it was everybody just hanging out outside, and we were eating this great food, and, and it was really great. And a lot of the students were mingling with faculty, and I can remember some of the younger faculty had like name tags on that were like, hi, my name is Dr. Smith, you know, like, I'm going to make sure everybody knows I got that doctor in front of my name, okay? Hi, I'm Dr. Smith. And, and I, remember, I remember that that stood out to me because of what I'm about to tell you about this other leader. And, uh, but it was a great time, and Ashley and I were really enjoying ourselves, and we made some great friends, actually, at that event. But we got in line to get our food. And uh, as we got closer to the front of the line, I saw the president of the seminary, a very, very famous Christian leader, his name's Haddon Robinson. He was the president of the seminary. He was the reason why many people ever even went to this school. And he was not standing there holding court, look at me, I'm great. He was standing shoulder to shoulder with the food service staff serving food to the students. And on his name tag, it said, hi, my name is Haddon. Just had his first name. 
said his first name. He had a Red Sox cap on. I'll never forget that. And, uh, and he was just serving. I mean, he literally had mentored thousands of Christian leaders for decades in his career. And he was scooping food onto our plates. Just putting food onto our plates. You know, he got his hands dirty. He served. And I got to say, it was quite an example for all of us. And, you know, I saw, over the next couple of years, I saw him lead conferences of hundreds of Christian leaders flying in from around the country to hear him speak. But, you know, when I think of him, I don't really remember that. I think about the guy in the Red Sox hat, first name on his name tag, scooping food onto our plates. You know, we've all seen leaders like that, haven't we? It's, um, it's just striking when we do, isn't it? I mean, it's somebody who we think of is kind of high up and like they're stooping down and doing something for somebody else and it just catches us off guard because it's very out of sync with what we tend to see in our world today. Um, uh, we remember in 2003, uh, President George Bush leaving his family and flying overnight under very dangerous circumstances to serve Thanksgiving dinner to the troops serving in Iraq. Literally, to serve it to them, to actually be the one to put it on their plates. And, you know, the pundits will say things like, wow, he did that to score political points. Well, you know what? For those troops, that didn't matter. What they remember is that on that Thanksgiving, when they were far away from their family and they were risking their lives, the most powerful person in the world took the time to come see them and serve them and put food on their plate. You know, we've seen other leaders, like, at that level that it's just, like, mind-blowing what they choose to do. We've seen um, Bill Gates and his wife, Melinda, give billions of dollars. That's where they be, billions of their personal fortune to stamping out disease in, um, in Africa in poor communities, to get rid of uh, diseases like malaria. And, you know, people will say, well, they're, they're billionaires. They got billions to spare. They should be doing that. Well, maybe, but... You know, from the perspective of moms and dads in Africa who don't have to watch their kids die of malaria because of the work that they've been doing through their foundation, they, they were served. They were served. Some very wealthy, influential leader in America who doesn't even know them took the time to serve them in their community, and now they get to watch their kids grow up. You know, and probably the greatest example we've ever seen of a leader reaching down and doing something and serving that just blows our minds, is Jesus washing the feet of his own disciples. I mean, this was mind-blowing to the disciples. I mean, this was embarrassing. I mean, honestly, the disciples didn't even know what to do. They were like, whoa, 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 what, what are you doing here? Like, no, no, you don't do that to me. I mean, this was something slaves did, servants did. It just, it, it, it didn't even compute for, for Jesus' followers that he would do that for them. But he set an unbelievable example for them because he knew, you know what, they were going to go be leaders of the early church. And he wanted to see that example of servant leadership. You know, the thing that, that really does characterize this top level of leadership is a heart to serve. I mean, it's that final piece of what it means to lead because, look, if we don't serve, here's what we risk. We risk our leadership just becoming all about us and just what we want, advancing ourselves, our agenda. And, you know, we, maybe we're good leaders kind of in the short run, like we, 
you know, cast a little vision, delegate a little bit, you know, kind of do some of these steps we've done, but like ultimately our leadership is gonna just collapse because we're gonna lose sight of the one that we're following and we're gonna lose sight of the ones following us because we're gonna be so focused on ourselves. And to do all of these steps well and lead, we have to serve. We absolutely have to have the mindset of a servant. So go ahead and pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already. And let's look at what we can learn from Moses about serving. We've been looking at Moses this whole series, and there's some unbelievable stuff we're going to learn from Moses about serving. Your first feeling is you've got to serve those who are following, especially when it's difficult. Serve those who are following, especially when it's difficult. You know, we've been talking a lot about Moses in this series and kind of the situation he was in when he was leading. And uh, it wasn't an easy one. I mean, the people that he was leading, the Israelites, were not very grateful. And um, they kept reverting to that slavery mentality that we've talked about in this series, that mentality of, okay, you know, it would have been better if we just stayed slaves in Egypt. Like, this stinks out here. Like, we don't like Moses. We don't like what he's doing. We'd rather be slaves again. And they were continually questioning Moses and his leadership, they were complaining, and they were just continually threatening, hey, let's just go back to Egypt, let's just go back. Can you imagine the emotional toll that that took on Moses as a leader? Do you think it inspired him to lead or to serve? This went on for 40 years, Moses went through this. Look, over that amount of time, he would not have been able to sustain his leadership unless he was committed to serving God and serving the Israelites. I mean, if he thought of himself as superior, like he was greater than them, he would have bailed. I mean, a long time before 40 years, he would have just, there would have been some night that he was just like, I am out of here. And he would have slipped out of the camp in the middle of the night and he would have been like, you know, forget them, I am out of here, they can handle it themselves, I'm done. If he was in it for himself, I guarantee you he would have done that. I guarantee you, but he was not in it for himself. He was in it to serve. We're going to look at a passage here in a minute um, from Numbers chapter 14. Numbers is uh, one of the books of the Bible that tells kind of the story of Moses and and the Israelites and and wandering in the desert. It's a great book, I have to say, Um, but I want to give you a little bit of background. They came out of Egypt, out of slavery, and Moses had been leading them through the wilderness and the desert been about 40 years, okay, talking about the promised land. We're going to get to the promised land. They're finally there. They're finally there. They're, they're literally within view of the promised land. They can see it. They can, I mean, just taste it almost. Yes, no more wandering around. We're going to have a permanent home finally. So they get there, and Moses, he um, sends out scouts into the promised land because he wants to, to assess what it looks like and and kind of take stock of like their enemies and who they're going to have to fight against and all that kind of stuff. And so the scouts go out and they come back and the scouts give a report that is not a very positive report. It's basically like, okay guys, this is not looking good. Like these people, they are going to beat us. We are going to lose. This is not going to go well for us. It was very, very pessimistic. And um, the people became very discouraged. I mean, they'd been complaining and discouraged the whole time. Now they hear this and they're like, that's it, we're going back. We are going back to Egypt. I don't care, it's over. And they literally started making plans to go back. I mean, 
What would that have been like? They've been out of slavery for 40 years, and they go back. They're like, hey, we're back. 40-year sabbatical's over. What do you want us to do? You want us to build you another pyramid? Let's do it. All right, we're back, okay? What would they have said? I mean, that's crazy. But they literally were that afraid they wanted to go back. And that's where we come upon this passage. Okay, let's look at it. Numbers 14, 11 and 12, 19 to 20. And, and God is speaking here first. But, but we're going to look at how Moses responds. The Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs I've done among them? I will strike them with a pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of you, he's talking about Moses, I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. All right, time out. If you were Moses and you'd been dealing with that abuse for 40 years, would you be tempted to take that deal of like, yep, sounds good, make a nation out of me, awesome. Like, you know, they deserve it, okay? Would you be tempted to take that deal? I think so. But Moses wasn't in it for himself. He wasn't. He saw himself as serving the people of Israel Look how he responded to what God said. Verse 19, he said, Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. Amazing. I mean, Moses was determined to save the people of Israel, at all costs. I mean, he pleaded with God. He intervened with God to save them. He didn't take revenge. He didn't take that deal. He didn't say, I told you so. He saw himself as serving them. And that's what he was doing here, is serving the people of Israel. So how can you lead like this? I mean, how can serving be part of your mentality in whatever sphere of leadership or influence you have? I mean, um, Bosses, how can you serve your employees? I mean, even in small ways. I mean, you can just start out small. When's the last time you got, you know, breakfast for your team and said, hey, y'all are doing a great job? When's the last time you got coffee for your assistant just to say, man, you are doing so well, I just want to say thank you. I mean, those are small ways, but they say a lot, and it shows that you have a servant mentality. I mean, have you thought about ways you can alleviate burdens of the people on your team? You know, maybe... Let them take a little extra time off and not like counting it as vacation, but just saying, you know, take half the day, it's fine. That kind of thing. Looking for ways to serve. Is that part of the way you view your role as a leader? Parents, I mean, so much of what you do is just by definition serving. I mean, you're just doing stuff for your kids all the time. But how can you highlight serving for them? How can you show them how to serve others, and make sure that that's on their radar. You know, a a great way is, I mean, we've got opportunities like this all the time. Organizations like Lunches of Love, where you just make lunches for kids in this area who literally do not get to eat if they don't go to school. Like, their school lunch is the lunch they get. When they're not in school, they don't have lunch. Make lunches with your kids and explain why. Explain that you are serving these kids who really need help. You know, a a similar thing we do is is we make meals for the Generation One Academy. It's a a school in the third ward here in Houston of 
underprivileged kids. It's a Christian school, and we make meals for them because the same deal. A lot of these kids can't count on, on uh, reliable, healthy food at home. And so, you know, these are great ways to serve with your kids and show them what it means to serve. Let them see you serve. How about up here at church? Are you serving? Or are you just kind of showing up? I mean, are, are you serving in our kids' ministry so our kids can learn about God's truth in a way that makes it relevant for them in their stage of life right now? Where they're learning right now how to apply God's truth. How about our student ministry back here? I mean, have you served in our student ministry so that teenagers in our school have a godly man or woman to look up to that isn't their mom or dad? I mean, that was huge in my life when I was growing up. Have you served in that way? How about leading or hosting a small group so that we have enough groups here that that people who need to grow spiritually can grow? Are you serving in that way? Because look, when you serve those around you, I mean, you can do so many things. You can inspire other people to serve. That happens all the time. People see you serving and they say, I want to get in on that. That's awesome. I want to be a part of that. And in, in other cases, People can't serve because they got so much going on and, and you serve them and it frees them up to serve and you enable them to serve. You know, that was the whole point of Moses' leadership, by the way, was so that the people of Israel could serve. That was the whole point. Look at this next passage in Exodus 8.1. And this passage is from much earlier. This is from when God is basically calling Moses and saying, I want you to lead the people of Israel out of slavery. Look what he says. It says, the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go, underline the rest of that, that they may serve me. Seven times in, that pa- in the passage in Exodus, going on past this one, seven times, that's what God says to Moses. The people of Israel are being released out of slavery so that they can serve. That is the entire point of the whole deal. And this, this was kind of Moses' aha moment. This is where he got it, okay? He realized, you know what? God's asking me to lead so that these people, hundreds of thousands of them, can serve him. And so you know what Moses did? He said, I have to embody what it means to serve. I've got to be the biggest servant out of anybody to be able to set that tone. And that's why he was willing to take all that abuse for all those years is he had the bigger picture. He had the bigger picture of, I've got to serve them so that they can serve God. That was the whole deal. And look, it wasn't easy. It was not easy. Moses was leading in a culture that was all about, how can I be served? How can I be served? How can I get what I want? It wasn't about, how can I serve? And folks, it is no different today. It is no different today. Our leadership in our schools, in our workplaces, our families, our communities, it is happening in a self-centered, consumer-driven culture. That is the culture we live in. It's a culture that is all about how can I get what I want? How can I be served? How can I advance myself? How can I further my ambitions and my goals? It's not a culture that says, how can I serve? How can I help others? How can I meet the needs of people in my community? And that's why it's so important for us to serve in our leadership because it just stands out. It just stands out so much, and it sets an unbelievable example. And this leads us to your next fill-in. And this is really what we've been driving at with this whole thing. Realize that the reason 
I am leading is to serve. That is the whole reason that you lead is to serve. To serve God and to serve those following you or that you have influence with. And that's what it really means to reach the highest heights of leadership. It is not just about these practical steps. It's about the practical steps combined with a servant's heart. You have to have the final piece. It's an identity at your core that says, I am a servant. Parents, are you going to be known as somebody who served your kids and showed them how to serve? At work, are you going to you know, be known as somebody who served your, your coworkers, your employees, and, and modeled what it means to serve? Are you going to be known as somebody who served your community or those you have influence with and ultimately pointed them toward the Lord? You know, um, right before the Israelites went into the promised land, just before Moses died, he got to see the promised land, but he actually didn't get to go in. You know, he'd done all of these steps, and now it was the end of his life. Look at Deuteronomy 34, 5 to 6. So Moses, underline this next phrase, the servant of the Lord. Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord, and he buried him in the valley of the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Now check out this next passage. This is about um, Joshua, who is Moses' protege. God is speaking to Joshua right when he's basically taking over leadership. Look, it says, after the death of Moses, underline this next phrase, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, underline these next two words, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Do you notice what God called Moses? called him my servant. That was his identity. He was a servant. You know, it wasn't Moses, the leader of Israel. Moses, the greatest leader ever. Moses, you know, the best boss the world has ever seen. Like, no. His reputation through history has been that he was a servant. He served God, and he served the people of Israel. You know, when you, when you search the Bible, the name Moses and the word servant are paired together 47 times, 47. And I have to say, you know, God calling Moses my servant, that was the prize for Moses at the end of his life of serving. God looked at him and said, he's my servant. That's who he is. That's his identity. That's how I see him. That was his prize. So what are you going to be known as? What's God going to call you? You know, Joshua, uh, when he led the people of Israel finally into the promised land, he made a choice about his family and what he was going to be known as. And so they, they went into the promised land, and he said this to the people of Israel. It's printed there in your notes, Joshua twenty four fifteen. He was speaking to all the people and he said, choose this day whom you will serve, 
whether the gods of your fathers that served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But, and underline the rest of this sentence, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You're going to be known as somebody who serves? Is that what you want to be known as? A servant? You know, if you want to, and it, it just seems kind of overwhelming to get there, a great place to start is just look at your calendar. Just take a, an honest look at your calendar. You know, if you dropped your, your, your day planner, your calendar uh, on, the, on the floor, and someone picked it up and they were nosy enough to look through it, would they be able to even tell that serving is on your radar? Start with your calendar. If, you're, if your schedule is so full with other things that serving is just not even possible, take a hard look at that. Take the steps to make serving your identity. You know, maybe for some of you in here, this whole concept of um, serving the Lord is just a little mystifying to you because you don't know the Lord. I mean, maybe you get kind of the the practical steps we've talked about, and you get the idea of people following you and, and trying to be effective with that. But the whole piece of who you're following, following God, is just, it's just not something you really understand. You're just not really there. Um, maybe you don't understand why he's worthy of being served. Well, let me tell you. God loves us more than anything any of us could ever say. It, more, more than words can describe, God loves every single person in this room. He created all of us. He created everything in existence. And the thing he loved more than anything else was us because he created us deliberately to have a relationship with him. That was the whole point. But we sinned and brought sin into the world and that separated us from God. It put distance between us and it prevented us from having the perfect relationship with him that he designed us to have. But God loved us so much that he was not going to let it stay that way. He was not content with that being the way things were going to be. So he came up with a way to bridge that gap and bring us back together. And that way was to send his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into this world. Have you ever thought about that one and only son? I have a son. And I love him more than I can even articulate And the way I love my son is nothing compared to the way God loved his son. Nothing. It doesn't even come close. And God said, I'm sending him. It's worth it to me. I'm sending him. And Jesus died for all of us and for all of my sins forever, past sins and future sins, and all of yours, so that we could have a relationship with God. And all we have to do is accept it. It's a free gift. You do not earn it in any way. God has said, you know what? The penalty has been paid. All you have to do is accept it. It's a gift. It is a gift, completely free. There's a sample prayer at the bottom of your message notes. If you've never prayed a prayer like that in your life, not, it doesn't have to be that one exactly. They're not like magic words. But, but a prayer like that that basically says, God, I want to know you. Please forgive me of my sins. I recognize that you're Lord. Save me. If you've, ever, if you've never prayed a prayer like that, pray it today. There is a God who loves you more than you can imagine, who is literally just waiting for you to accept that offer and start a relationship with you. Pray that prayer today. 
to start that relationship with God. You know, in this series, we've talked about all these things. We've talked about acknowledging we are leaders, taking that first step, casting a vision, casting a vision for others, bringing others along, and now we've talked about serving, about how great leaders serve. But that final step, the final step onto this platform is making servant our identity, like we just talked about with Moses, making it the fundamental identity of us and our life and what our life is all about. When we take this final step of making servant our identity, we become the greatest leaders that we could ever become. So here's what I want you to do. Pull out your connection card. I want you to hold it right next to your message notes. And I want you to check a next step or steps that you're willing to take today based on the message. And I want you to hold the card right next to your notes because uh, you're going to check the step on both of the the card and the notes because you're going to turn in that card in just a second. And uh, you'll take the message notes home with you uh, so you can remember what you committed to. How about this first one? I will find one practical way to serve those following me this week. I will find one practical way to serve those following me this week. You know, if, if you're a boss at work, do something for your employees, something nice. If, you, just, if you're not the boss, but just do something for your coworkers. Do something for a neighbor, a friend. Find something practical. Take that first step of serving. How about this second one? I will identify one person that I am reluctant to serve and serve them anyway. Would you do that? So what Moses did for all those years, pretty sure he didn't feel like it a lot of the time, but he did. How about number three? Contact me this week about serving at the park. You want to get involved in leading a small group, hosting a small group, serving in our kids' ministry, serving uh, in our student ministry, serving on one of the teams that makes Sunday morning possible? Check that box, and we will send you an email that lays out all the opportunities and how you can get involved. And, and then you can let us know which one would work best for you. Get involved. Serve up here at the church. How about number four? I want to become a Christ follower for the first time in my life. If that's you, if you prayed that prayer at the bottom of your message notes, or you plan to today, check that box, and we will send you some uh, free material in the mail to help you uh, in your new life with Christ. Also, we want you to pick up a new believer packet on your way out. They're on these little tables just inside the doors. Uh, Just grab one of those on your way out. There's some great stuff in there uh, to help you as well. How about number five? I will memorize Joshua 2415B. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is a classic verse. Did you memorize that? It's a short one. It's a short memory verse, but it's a great one. How about number six? Sign me up for an adult small group. If you've chosen a small group you want to sign up for, put the code down on that line. It's a blue code in the small group catalog. Just write it down, and we'll put you in the group. Uh, As Adam said, the groups do start meeting this week, but we have a number of groups that are B-session groups that don't actually start meeting until uh, after the 4th of July, July 14th. So there's still plenty of time uh, with those. So write down the code and get signed up. There are leaders who are, are, would literally love to have you in their groups. So sign up today. Uh, How about this seventh one? Um, Sign my student up for a small group. If you've got a student uh, entering sixth grade, going through entering the first year of college, all we need is their name and grade. As long as your your name is on the front of the card, just put their name and grade on the back and we'll take care of the rest and get them signed up. Let me pray for us as Pat and the worship team 
come back up. Heavenly Father, I thank you for um, what you've taught all of us in this series about what it means to be a great leader. Father, to just make the impact in our lives that you want us to make on those around us, in our workplaces, in our community, in our families, here at church. Lord, show us what that looks like. Show us the areas we need to grow to be the most effective leaders we can be to ultimately point people to you, to serve you, and to serve those people who are following us. Father, I just pray that you would reveal to each one of us the areas that we need to grow in as we lead. And for those of us, Lord, who are still needing to be convinced that we are leaders, show us, God, how we are leaders. Make it so clear to us, and then show us the route to go. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us through your word, through Moses, what it means to serve you and serve the people following. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.